In Revelation 22, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony. I am the bright and morning star. The God who loves us wants a relationship with us so badly that he was willing to send his guiding light to show the way. And that guiding light is still showing the way today. His name is Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Every word in Messiah is scripture. Every song, every note, or not every note, but every song that is sang, every piece of verbiage is directly from God's word. Let me give you a picture of Messiah. George Frederick Handel was actually at the brink of suicide. He was in the most devastating time of his life. He was so massively depressed. Uh, If you read any stories behind it, the man was, was considering taking his life until a star rose in his eyes. This man was a man that followed God to a degree But as he was sitting on the brink of suicide, as he was sitting on the brink of of unbearable depression, the Christmas star began to come alive in his life. Where the scripture comes forth and says he is counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, prince of peace, Emmanuel which means God is with us. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the star of Christmas. I want to talk a little bit about the Christmas star and what Christmas is really all about. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this glorious season. Now, you sit back and say, Pastor, come on, this is just a big commercial. It is. Christmas time has become a commercial time. But yet the star of Christmas is still the reason, even for the commercial. And if you and I as Christians will grab a hold of this, we can actually be in the presence of Messiah every day of our lives. As I went to the San Francisco Symphony, one of the great symphonic places of the world, and I listened to them, I was so deeply stirred and moved by the presentation. 
the story goes on at the very first presentation of Messiah. The king, and I don't remember if it was King George or King Edward. I can't remember which king it was. But the king of the time went to watch the presentation and to listen to the music. The king was so moved that when they came to the part of hallelujah, when they came to the part of king of kings, listen to how important this is and how powerful this is. When they came to the part where they were saying, king of kings, hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord, uh, is that how it goes? Something like that? Okay, don't sing it quite as good, but that's okay. They came, the king, in the presence of the king, stood to his feet and said, there's somebody more. There's somebody more majestic than I could ever imagine standing in this place. He stood to his feet. The entire place. Folks, a king doesn't stand to their feet in front of anybody. The whole world bows. But he knew the only way to recognize the majesty was to stand in his presence in awe of the glory of Messiah. What is Christmas really all about? As I was there at Messiah listening, oh, just taking in the grandeur and the majesty of it all, I, I was immediately taken, and I believe by the Spirit of God, to notice the people. How sadly, most of them were caught up in the melodious work of the concert. And I suppose then, even as now, people are more into the star of the presentation than they are in the presentation of the star. The Christmas message has become a commercial commodity more than rejoicing in the birth of divinity. Yet still in the midst of the mastery, today, if we will, we can see the glorious star shining through. Years ago, Charles Schultz penned one of the most famous Christmas presentations on the screen that we know of. How many remember the story? The Charlie Brown Christmas. We're back in a day where it was still legal to talk about the things of God. It's amazing they even allow the Charlie Brown Christmas on TV even today. If it wasn't for the fact that so many people want to see it, they probably would have canned it. Why? Because the Charlie Brown Christmas takes the actual Christmas story, and brings it to light. As Charlie Brown is complaining, say, why? Is everybody caught up? Is there anybody here that really understands Christmas? And then we remember Linus stands up and says, yes, I do. And he starts uh, reciting out of the book of Luke that in the field there were shepherds 
And he goes on and just recites it all. Charlie Brown and he go out to find a tree, and the tree wasn't much. But then as the star of Christmas began to rise in their hearts, they all began to pour their lives into this picture. And at the end, they too were rejoicing in the Christmas star. The one who was born, lived, died, but lives forevermore. I want you to look at me just for a second because I'm going to make a statement that is so critical that all that we are hinges on it. The reality that rings forth in this message is that the only hope the world is ever going to see is the Jesus they see in you and me. That star has to shine in your life and mine. Matthew 2, if you have your Bibles, if not, it's on the screen. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east of Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief elders and priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And immediately they responded in Bethlehem in the land of Judea. Because the scripture says, by no means it will be the least of the rulers. And out of it, out of Bethlehem, out of Judea, Judah, excuse me, will come a ruler who will shepherd the people of Israel. Herod called the Magi secretly to find out the exact time the star appeared. Why? Because he was calculating in his mind, and we'll get into that in just a moment, trying to figure out where is this Messiah, where is this king that is challenging his throne. Herod sent the Magi off and said, go carefully and search for the child when you found him. Come back and tell me where he's at so I can go worship him also. And they heard the king. They went on their way. And the star they had seen rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. They opened the treasures, presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The interesting thing that I read in this passage is that the star shining was not an unusual event. It was something that they all knew was going to happen. The difference is there were some that were looking and there were some that were ignoring. Now we've learned through scripture and through many other things that stars have been long time a reference point to help travelers on their way. I am reminded of a little fellow that one time sang, When You Wish Upon a Star. Okay, that's another story. But we have that same thought today as when a shooting star goes, have you made a wish? 
When you see something unusual in the heavens, we've talked over the last several weeks about the signs and the star, the sun and the moon. God is sending signals to the earth. Are we watching? God is showing us the star of heaven is still shining bright, trying to illuminate the way that we could follow. People say, well, what is the way? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. He said in another place that he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Today, we have light posts. We have runways. We have traffic lights. We have signs that are illuminated by lights all over the world to guide, direct, and to keep from danger. The star of Christmas shines brighter this time of year than any other time. You say, does it really, Pastor? No. But it shines brighter because we take notice of it more readily this time of year. Sadly, the world is in great danger today. If I can allude back to Messiah, there's many that hear the music, but they ignore the message. They see the light, but they still choose to abide in darkness. The Bible tells us that we're all pilgrims passing through. Our life is relatively short. The danger is that we will see the star and not follow the light. The danger is that we will not find eternity's destination, the one that God has made a way for us to find. In Matthew 7, the scripture says, enter through the narrow gate. In Luke 13, it's actually that word gate is really translated better, enter through the narrow door. For wide is the gate and broad is the, destruction, the road that leads to destruction, and many go through it. But small is the door, is the better word for that gate. And narrow is the road that leads to life. In Luke 13, it says it this way, that when the master closes the door, no one can enter again. There is a day coming, the Bible says, where God is going to say, it's over. No man knows that day. No man knows that hour. But it's very clear in Scripture, just like it was very clear that star that was going to shine and draw everyone to the Son of God in the place where he lay. John 3 says it more beautifully than any place could be imagined. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So many of us stop the message there, but it goes on to say because God did not send his Son to the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Would you underline that, please? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. You say, Pastor, what does it really mean to believe? It means to live for, to abide in, and to cling to. If you really believe in Christ, your life is going to emulate the life of Christ. Are you with me this morning? Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, whoever does not cling to, rely upon, and abide in, is condemned already 
Why? Because they will not live the life that Christ died for them to live. And he said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness more than light because their deeds are evil. Everyone that comes to the light or everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds would be exposed. In our passage of Scripture, we see the advent of the Lord, the coming, that word advent just means coming, the coming of the Lord, the first advent, the second advent will soon be upon us, which is Christ's return to the earth or the second coming. The first coming was the incarnation when God identified himself with mankind. When God stepped out of eternity into time, when God stepped out of the supernatural into the natural, that you and I could see the glorious light of the gospel. Oh, I'm not just talking about seeing the words, but we saw him in living flesh. In first, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with us, I'm sorry, my mind's getting ahead of myself. i got to slow down. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You drop down into the 14th verse, and it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld him as the only begotten Son of God. God said, I love the world so much that I sent my only Son into the world, not to show you who God is, but to show you how to live for God. People say, well, Pastor, why then? Well, very simply, the fullness of time, Galatians 4, had come. And God sent his son Jesus into the world for the purpose to save sinners, to preserve and to give life. But the star was not something that just showed up. Herod knew about it. The wise men, if you will, in Herod's kingdom knew about it. These magi knew about it. 700 plus years it was prophesied prior to that in the book of Micah that Bethlehem of Judea would bring forth the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Everyone could have and possibly did see the star but everyone did not take the time or the effort to respond. Look at me this morning. It's no different today. This time of year, this star shines brighter than any other time, but how many pay attention to it simply as the Christmas season, not the season of Christ's life and death, burial and resurrection? And this is where you and I come in. As we go through our texts in verse 1 and 2, the Bible says that they saw the star in the east. You notice the star did not come to them. The star was always a distance from them. The star did not lead them where they were going until they decided to do something about where they were. Look at me this morning. 
The Christmas star, the star of Christmas, will never lead you where you need to be until you first decide to bring it where you currently are. God said, I'll sh- shine the light on your condition. I'll shine, your light on the, I'll shine the light on the lifestyle you're living. Do you want me to? Before we can ever get where we're going, we have to remember where we've been. Am I making any sense today? And God wants to shine his light on your life. But the Bible says that we don't want that. Except we do what the Magi did, and we effectively get up from where we are and put in the effort to go to where he is. Can somebody say amen? You see, they knew something was happening. Just like Daniel back in the book of Daniel, when he was praying, and we know the 21 days of prayer and the angels and the battle, the different things that were going on. Just like Daniel, when he prayed, the reason he prayed, he said, I know something is supposed to happen. We're at the end of captivity. Scripture has said this was the time frame of captivity. Scripture has said it is going to be 747 years from the prophecy of Micah to the birth of Christ. They knew because God gave them a road map. God set a path in the wilderness. God set a light in a dark place. And God shone the Christmas star to show, I will even get you there. Will you follow? Today, as then, they went to the world They went to Herod. They figured he's the king. He should know all this stuff. He had to call his wise men, if you will, because he knew there was something. He just didn't have a clue. And then all of a sudden, the prophecy that was prophesied came to fruition, came to light, and he wanted to know all about it. Not because he really wanted to worship, but because he wanted to destroy a potential successor to the crown, which is why the Bible says that there were thousands of Jewish male boys that were killed because he didn't know. It was a two-year period, and that's why he said every child from the age of this to this, kill him, and he did. Something I want you to understand, if you become a Christian, you will have a great time of euphoria at the initial, but then you'll have struggles. Why? Because the devil knows if he can kill the child, he don't have to deal with the man. Are you with me? If he can, cha- if he can stop that brand new birth, he don't have to deal with that God-fulfilled life. And that's what he will do. That's why people, when they get saved sometimes, I thought it was going to be different. Why did you think it? was going to be different. The Bible says very plainly how it's going to be. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to read the Bible. Yes. This is our owner's manual. How many ever bought, I'm going to use the word, and most of you aren't going to remember what, how many ever bought a VCR and never learned how to get the lights from flashing? 
Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. You never knew how to set the clock. Okay, some of you are smarter than me. My light always flashed. I never could figure it out. The light of God's glory has always set forth to disrupt. A supernatural star was sent to disrupt the natural order of your life and mine. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy, when you seek God with all of your heart and your mind and your strength, you will find him. Ladies and gentlemen, those who follow the leading of providence will never lack providence in leading them. The star reappeared to the to the magi. They realized the world wasn't going to direct them. The, the king wasn't going to direct them. They had to follow the light, the glorious star of Christmas to get them to their objective. And they got forth. They stood up. And the Bible says the star reappeared in verse 11. It was not simply reason that guided them to Christ. It was providence because they knew there was something more going on than what's going on. Today, if you're looking for Jesus, if you're looking for a way to heaven, the Bible says in John chapter 6, there is no way to the heaven but through the Son. No man comes to the Lord except the Father draws him. We have to understand there is only one way. Today, the expectancy that you feel in your life, you're here in church today. You say, well, I just showed up. It seemed like a nice place to come. No, you're here because God providentially brought you here because he wants to make a way in your life where there is no way. He wants to make himself real to you. He wants the light of his glorious gospel to rise up. Second Peter 1 says it this way, We have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to the light dwelling in that dark place, the morning star that's rising in your heart. In Revelation 22, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony. I am the bright and morning star. The God who loves us wants a relationship with us so badly that he was willing to send his guiding light to show the way. And that guiding light is still showing the way today. His name is Jesus. Can somebody say amen? In Isaiah chapter 30, the Bible says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Sometimes you're walking in life and you're saying, I'm not sure what to go, what to do, where to go, and there's a still small voice that will guide you. Will you listen? Isaiah 42 says, I will lead the blind by ways that they don't know, by paths that they've never been on. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them. And then I love this. Underline this, please. I will not forsake them. God said, if you will just look, if you will just lift up your heads and lift up your eyes. Sadly today, just like in Messiah God is dealing with people. The message is coming clear. But they're listening to the song and not following the words. Many today follow from a distance. People use every excuse in the book to where they 
to why they can't. Herod was troubled. He knew the light. God had been dealing with Herod. And we know the picture, if you've read the scripture, the end of Herod's life, he was killed instantaneously. And the Bible says that the worms began to eat him right there in public because he would not recognize the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Herod was troubled. He would not respond. What he did was hardened his heart. And I want to bring this out to us today in Hebrews. The Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the day of the rebellion. What was the day of the rebellion? The reason they spent 40 years in the wilderness for a trip that should have taken less than two weeks to make is because they would not follow the leading of God. In Hebrews 4, it says it this way, Therefore, since the promise of entering into his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of us be found to fall short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value. Why? They did not combine it with faith. The Bible says all that come to God must first believe that he is. And if we'll not simply just believe that he is, then the enemy will get an opportunity to begin to harden our hearts. Herod, in verse 8 of our text, because of religious piety and hypocrisy, tried to stop everyone from following the star. In verse 16, it talks about how religion wants to destroy the light that has came into the world, and the end result is to keep them in the dark. And in verse 19, we see the picture of Herod's death. I quoted this to you before, but it bears repeating. In the beginning was the Word, John 1.1. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 4 goes on to say, In him was the life, the light that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not understand it. Jesus is the light that shows the way to the Father. And this morning, what you and I have to understand, it's not just a church thing. It's not just a Christmas thing. It's a life thing. The Bible tells us to search our hearts, to not allow our hearts to be hardened because of religion, because of religiosity of man. The Bible tells us very clear, let reason have its way. Now, I want us to understand, over in Isaiah, the Bible is very clear that no place does God expect us to follow blindly. He says in Isaiah chapter uh, 1, let us reason together. God said, I want to show you the glorious gospel. I want to show you the hope. But then he says these words, if you will be willing and obedient, you will eat of the best of the land. Look at me, please. The problem with most Christians is that we will be willing and obedient in things that we like. 
You can't say amen, say oh me. We will be willing and obedient in the things we like. I was talking about tithing earlier. I don't know why I keep going back to this. I think God must be dealing with some hearts. And most churches don't talk about tithing, don't talk about money. Why? Because it ticks people off. How many have ever been to church and got mad because a preacher talked about money? Got one honest person here. We'll pray for liars later. Okay, just kidding. People say, that's all you preachers want is our money. To the way I respond, you're, you're right. What do you mean? Because we know it's the only way that God can do in your life what he wants to do. Because as long as we love something more than God, God can't do what he wants to do in your life. Man, I can tell that hit a note today. Say amen, Andrew. Good. I knew he would say amen. I wasn't sure about anybody else, so I called on him. We're willing and obedient as long as we like it. And we struggle desperately if we don't. Let me finish Isaiah. He said, if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. You say, Pastor, I'm still alive and I'm not doing any of that. That's not what it's talking about. The sword that will devour you is the sword of your own rebellion because it'll take you further and further away from God and harden your heart more and more. You see, the bottom line is that what the world is ignoring the star of Christmas. The world is ignoring the drawing that it's been doing for thousands of years. This is why the world is so full of questions concerning spiritual things. It's because they know something's happening. They just don't want Jesus to be what's happening. Because the minute Jesus becomes what's happening, then they know their life is responsible. And God's going to hold them accountable. Are you with me? This is the problem we have with religion and the world. Don't you tell me, the world says, that there's only one way to heaven. I didn't. Jesus did. Are you with me? You see, folks, victorious life didn't say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Christianity didn't say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father. In other words, nobody gets to heaven except through the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. It's not a Christian thing. It's a Jesus thing. Okay, I'll calm down. The world is so inundated with spiritual things, yet the world continues to harden their hearts because of excuse. Let me close. And in closing, I'm going to put it to you and I. As Christians, we need to follow 
the star and guide others to that same star. The star of his glorious gospel. John chapter 1. Speaking of John the Baptist, said there came one from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came to testify, to bear witness to the light, the true light that gives light to every man who is coming into the world. The light, Jesus Christ. You and I have the same ability as John does. And I want you to look at me. Get your eyes off your notes. We're going to conclude. We have the same opportunity that John has, and that's to be a, bear, to be a witness to the light. This time of year, we have the ability to share what Christmas is really all about. I encourage you to let the bright and morning star rise up in your heart that people can see the light of the glorious gospel in you. Can you say amen? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.